0: <clears throat> <coughs>
1: welcome back to our podcast within a podcast pottering around the more potent version of mangum Reads. we are three muggles who have certainly had drinks that taste worse than skelegro My name is Sarah, I am joined as always by my co-host BJ and Spencer, how are you all doing?
0: With your intro title, I'm reminded by just how lazy the name of that potions book truly is.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I mean, it's not inaccurate.
0: No, no, but it's a book you're trying to hide its purpose of and shield it from students wanting to inquire into it. Moste Potente is kind of giving away (laughs) the goods with that.
1: (laughs) No, it's hidden by the extra E's in the title, Spencer.
0: Oh, this is true. This is true. Assuming they actually have a Google search, they'd never find it. (laughs) The power of Latin to obscure everything. (laughs)
1: Um, So we we are on, I don't know what number chapter we're on, but we are on the chapter of uh, the second book of Harry Potter called The Rogue Bludger. And (laughs) um, we have some segments about said chapter. We have a rapid fire recap. And then we have uh, BJ with his wizard wheezes. And uh, Spencer has his newbies notes. We award house points. And then there are... Um, uh, questions. Points, points, <laughs> we, have, of, we have questions. Points of interest. There are questions. Points of interest around the happenings of said chapter.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: mm-hmm. Um. Okay. Are we ready for the recap?
0: Let's do uh, it. I'm assuming you can stick to two minutes. I
1: think so. I did a practice round, and it was over two minutes, and then I cut some stuff, and then I didn't try it again. So we'll see. <laughs> All right,
0: playing it by ear. Doing it live. Let's see how it goes.
1: Uh, We'll see how it goes. So, are you ready with the the, uh, stopwatch, Spencer?
0: The giant novelty stopwatch is ready to go. Excellent.
1: So Lockhart's classes are now just dramatic reading slash performance art that Harry gets roped into, but he puts up with it because they need the note for the restricted section. After class, Harry, Ron, and Hermione approach and with much flattering, actually not that much flattering because Lockhart's an easy mark, get, uh, get him to sign the slip with an enormous peacock quill. They uh, escape and head to the library. Madam Pence is suspicious, but retrieves the book for them. And it is a heck of a book. Terrifying illustrations, mysterious stains, the lot. They've barricaded themselves in Moaning Myrtle's bathroom to make the potion. But there are a lot of special ingredients they don't have access to, including a bit of whoever they're turning into. So they'll steal the lot, and and the potion will take about a month to make. Then we get to Quidditch time. Oliver Wood is very emotional about the whole Malfoy-Slytherin broom situation. They take off, and Harry's job is to stay out of the fray and wait for the snitch. Except there's a bludger that seems to keep coming for him. Correction, doesn't seem to keep coming for him, is coming for him. Fred and George do their best to bat the thing away, but leave the rest of the team exposed. There's a lot of conversation about how bludger tampering might happen. Uh, Slytherin is way up in points, and Harry waves the Weasleys off so that he can function. He does a lot of dancing around, avoiding the bludger, much to the delight of Malfoy. While Malfoy is laughing, Harry spots the snitch by his ear. And in that moment of realization, Harry gets hit by the bludger. But he takes off for the snitch, which he gets. And then he immediately faints. On the ground, Lockhart has decided that he can fix Harry's arm. Harry is disgruntled but can't do much. Lockhart removes all the bones from Harry's arm. In the hospital wing, Madame Pomfrey is displeased. The bones must be regrown, which is a painful process. In the middle of the night, growing pains strike, but really it's Dobby. Harry discovers that Dobby (laughs) blocked the train platform and charmed the bludger to get him away from the school. We learn that he can only be freed if he's presented with clothes. Dobby lets slip some information about the Chamber of Secrets. Dark deeds are afoot. Dumbledore shows up. Dobby disappears, but Dumbledore isn't there for Harry. He and McGonagall are bringing in the first petrified student, Colin Creevy, Found with his camera melted inside, Dumbledore is convinced the Chamber of Secrets is open.
0: Sarah, I'm sorry to say you were a full 10 seconds over this time. Per established rules, I must remove ten house points per second that you are over. You will need to explain this to House Ravenclaw when you get back to the dorm.
2: <laughs> oh, I was assuming the George, <laughs> the,
1: the George Georgia household, because like that,
2: that's where points really matter. <laughs> oh, yeah.
1: we have removed ten milliliters of wine from your household. <laughs> oh, deal with I'm the strictest master. Ten milliliters or
2: ten liters
1: i haven't been to the store in a while so <laughs> <laughs> so let's go with 10 milliliters because we don't know
2: how much there is yeah. <laughs> we're, we're trying to get through a podcast here
1: um so yeah I, there are a lot of this is another chapter i think with a lot of like different scenes and just things yeah. going on
0: I mean, We've we've had chapters which have been basically confined to a single room this one's going around like four or five different parts of the campus, mm-hmm. and there are full scenes that are taking place in each of them.
1: Yeah, and important and sort of uh, salient details happening in each of them. So anyway, an extra 10 seconds. BJ, what wizard wheezes are you going to whirl around us?
2: Well, there were a couple of things. I, well, the main thing that I was going to complain about is pretty much all of the alliteration already been done before which is a little bit disappointing we we just get a rehashing of the the ramblings of um uh, of our defense against the dark arts teacher and and that's that's sort of a little disappointing that that uh jk rowling hasn't gone to a little bit more effort to do something a little bit more entertaining with all the 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 wordplay that that might be available to her um i was a little bit amused at the uh the massive peacock feather because of course that's what um he's going to use, Lockhart's going to use to to sign all of his things. Mm -hmm. Um and um it would have been fun if you know she had thrown out printing like a peacock at some point in in this especially when when they essentially asked him uh, uh Hermione asked him to to get the uh some background information for one of his books but you know what can you do? What I will go into however Oh boy. Is the ingredients for the Polyjuice Potion. Okay. They're not magical. Okay, tell us about them. They're all things. <laughs> um, so, Fluxweed is basically in the same family as, as mint, um, and it's uh, Trichostoma brachiatum, um, and it's, you know, it has a pretty purple flower. Um, I'm not really sure exactly why um, this needs to be picked at a certain period in time. Presumably, that's what gives it its its magical qualities. Because, but it essentially um, is all over the place in in the uh, in North America. Um, it it apparently ranges from Quebec to Georgia and uh, west to Texas and north to to Minnesota. So, kind of everywhere.
1: I love the idea that this potion is, like, a super difficult thing to make in the United Kingdom. Yeah. But and it's just, just, like, like running rampant around. in the United States. <laughs> <laughs> um,
2: so it's also known as False Penny Royal. Okay. Which may mean something to somebody else. Um, let's see. So um, not weed or not grass um, is also known as uh, Polygonum Polygonum. It's a species, uh, it's a genus of about 130 different flowering plants, um, and it's in the buckwheat and knotweed family. Um, and yeah, it's relatively common as well. It's kind of a weed. Um, and, and so that I thought was uh, kind of funny. And then let's see. So then we also have the glasswing flies, lacewing lacewing glasswing lacewing um lacewing um so yeah so that's a fairly large insect order uh neuroptera um and they, it includes matted flies antlions and lacewings and and their relatives and and so yeah a fairly common thing um also flies, fish flies dobson flies maybe not dobby flies and snake flies it's all kind of cool things. It, it's the all, pretty much the, the wings that you can see through and have very fine uh, patterns going through them.
1: Are these the types of things that are in like the upper corners of rooms with the big legs?
2: I don't know how to answer that, because I don't know what's in your room right now. Um, but you might want to bring Frost over to try and take care of some of those if it's an issue. Um, or go,
1: da- go down into the swamp and find the knotweed and see yes. who I want to turn into. Exactly.
2: <laughs> um, and then, last but not le- least, um, we have boomslangs.
1: This is the one I am most interested to know what this actually is.
2: Um, it's a snake, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, it's a venomous snake in uh, the Kluber Day, uh family, um, and it's actually fairly pretty and and kind of interesting it, it's a green and black snake um and it sort of looks like it has a, a fairly prominent like uh ventral protrusion as as part of its uh body which is kind of cool and it's a it's a tree snake basically um because in afrikaans and dutch boom is uh means tree and uh Slang? Yeah. Mean snake. Exactly.
1: So is it Which... found in like sub Saharan Africa?
2: Um I th- it, it, think so. They're definitely in South yes. Africa, yeah. So, mm-hmm. yeah Subs native to sub
1: Saharan Africa.
2: Hmm. Perfect. I'm surprised you haven't seen one, Sarah.
1: I was more concerned with other creatures. <laughs>
2: <laughs> you're
0: most you're mostly in West Africa though, yeah. right?
1: I was technically gotcha. sub saharan but
2: yeah. Um, really, right up so, close so, to it, yeah. Interesting. So it's a hemotoxin. So maybe this is sort of one of the things that they're just getting like all kinds of weird uh, ingredients together. This seems like a little bit more uh, in in the more common realm of, of ingredients that might go into a, a magical potion.
1: Maybe this is one of the active ingredients.
2: Yes, <laughs> the rest is a little bit more uh, for show, necessary filler. Yes. Um, yeah, so well. so I think it's kind of entertaining and kind of cool that that all of the things in the potion are real things, and you could make it. I kind of, uh, I kind of like but... that
1: more than just nonsense things.
2: Yes. Well.
0: Um, p- point of point of order, though, BJ, you did leave out two ingredients. Uh,
2: the ingredients from other people.
0: Oh but yeah, I was going to mention that because Slytherins aren't real. So back to that one. <laughs> um,
1: I um, have a
2: shirt that says otherwise. Well,
0: you exist to prove me wrong on that point, BJ. <laughs> and this uh, and so
1: many other things, Spencer. <laughs>
0: <laughs> but the other one is a uh, bicorn.
2: Yes. Um, I, Which is, I believe,
0: one of those weird mythical animals that has a human face for just reasons of terrifying me.
2: Or it's a rhinoceros. Like, you know, what can you... <laughs> Pretty... I'm going
0: to go with mythical creatures. But...
2: <laughs> I mean, there are rhinoceri that have horns like that. So, I mean... It it would a hundred percent track that that Harry Potter and and the uh, associated wizards are are big game hunters.
1: Well, Charlie <laughs> is out there dealing with dragons, so
2: <laughs> so yeah, um, all, all essentially real things. So so very cool. Um, I I I wonder where she got these things from um, because this wouldn't have been in the day and time that Wikipedia would have been a a ready available source um and so i think it's kind of cool that she did that because up until then i it, this was very much a like somebody has to come up with like the jargon that they have on star trek and this mm-hmm. kind of felt like it um so yeah all cool things yeah nice. i will turn it over to uh the newbie's notes
0: all right well on another episode of newbie's notes we again, again return to the question of I'm presuming the wizarding world is kind of, like, globalized the same way ours is, but somehow the stories about Lockhart's incompetence haven't gotten wider spread. I mean, this guy's just obviously making shit up now. I mean, defeating various werewolves and all the villagers came to congratulate him? Presumably that would have made some news if that was true, beyond simply being in his book, unless he's got the Ministry right at his back to immediately just men in black mind wipe everybody that's there. Um... If he was uh, about to be admitted to the National Squad, you think somebody would be able to verify that particular note or not, despite the fact he's publishing it in his books. But everybody, everybody just kind of gives this guy a pass, and as we see in this chapter, Hermione is one of the first and foremost of them. Which surprised me at first, until I realized that she's one of, that peop- one of those people that runs entirely on compliments. And the fact that he's willing to just very casually, consistently compliment her as being the best
2: student and the most awesome person. That is 100% not the only reason that she gives him a pass.
0: It isn't the only reason. And it, it's not it, even the bigger a big one.
2: one.
0: <laughs> I'm not so sure. She, there is suggestion that she's smitten with him, too.
2: He's, a, a he's presum- being a very good mentor to her and complimenting her on her achievements.
0: Sure. I'm going to go back to the one about compliments, though, just because it reminds me of something that happened with uh, some of my students back in law school, of where we had this one professor that was just outright evil. Uh, I loved to humiliate students in front of his class. Brilliant guy, but just that was what he delighted in doing every day. And one of my friends one day actually got a question right in a way that you're never supposed to be able to do. And so he had to just feel obliged to compliment her in front of everybody else, and for the rest of the next three years of law school, she would not allow a bad thing to be said about the man, because she's the one person that ever received a compliment from him. And I feel like to a certain degree that informs a bit of what her Hermione's going through. She's also just smitten with the guy, but she clearly has responded well to him complimenting her publicly before, and he seems very much inclined to do so towards her.
1: Can I, for just a moment, Spencer, go back to the sort of place where you began this point about uh, Lockhart and the the mm-hmm. global reach of his influence um, and why no one has called him out on his nonsense yet. Yes. I would like to introduce you to a, a certain class of people called the Instagram influencers. Oh, I thought I'm we not familiar. Tell me about it, <laughs> <them>, but okay. <laughs> we're not a political podcast, Richard. <laughs> <laughs> Um,
0: Are you suggesting he's in a category of people that, due to certain traits of certain already established popularity, can essentially do anything without there being existing repercussions or challenges to them?
1: I think that he is actively working on building a brand Mm -hmm. and, you know, has obviously been successful in doing so and deserves our kudos for that. It's also
2: a lot of the things that he's brought up are like, A, impossible to verify Mm-hmm. And B, no one other than, like, 10-year-olds is, or 11, 12, what are they now? Whatever it is, are going to care. He also is... Oh, and I'm middle-aged betting... women.
1: <gasps> Gilderoy Lockhart, the multi-level marketing guru.
2: I was going to say, like, he's, he's one of the... Jo- he's the oldest Jonas brother, basically, <laughs> mm. in, like, 20 years. Yeah. It, it...
0: It also may just be the case that he's now finally in a setting where he's not constantly surrounded by either adoring followers or situations he can completely control the narrative on, and so it just allows everyone to more quickly deduce that he's a blithering idiot. Which, again, raises the question why in the hell he would agree to take this position, other than to just appeal to his ego, I guess. But, maybe we'll find out more.
1: I'm also not he uh, sure really that he's a really good he... chef. Oh, he has the confidence, what? yeah. The flare. Oh, and the flair. Well, and-
2: and also, apparently, an, a really useful magic spell if you want <laughs> boneless white meat. Oh, God. Oh, God.
0: Uh, uh, okay. That would assume that he could actually intentionally cast that spell when he wanted to, and I can't guarantee this man can do any spell on command that you ask of him.
1: I would also suggest, I believe, BJ, the word rubbery was actually used in the description
2: (laughs) it it was like a rubber a fleshy rubber glove yeah um not like rubbery itself so i i I don't think we're really worried about the how tender the meat is at this point (laughs) the
0: the consistency of the hairy did not change as a result of the removal of the bones yes
2: um just the internal structure oh just a bit i but this seems like a a hilariously powerful spell right Mm -hmm. oh yeah this should be one of the
0: curses. I mean, this sounds a lot more lethal than anything else you can throw
2: yeah. around. I mean, instead of, like, the yeet spell that apparently everybody starts using, like, this would be so much better.
1: Oh, we learn about the yeet spell, I think, in the next chapter.
2: Oh. Yeet? Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. Spencer. Uh... And
1: here's the beginning of our spin-off podcast, Spencer and popular culture.
2: <laughs> oh, God. All right. It's it spelled Y E E T.
0: Okay. Do I want to Google this now, or should I wait until we're done? It's, Let's get through this off, episode.
1: Like... It's
2: <laughs> Okay. It's fine.
0: Uh, Sarah, like you said, the illustrations in that wizarding book are utterly horrifying, and it just really kind of just shows the casual terror that the wizards operate in. It's just that these kind of images, they're not meant to really scare you off. They're just a necessary background of what this book is capable of. <laughs> really does show the kind of siege mentality a lot of these guys go into. It. Really just the flippancy that they've kind of maintained in their day-to-day lives. It's just that anything that they do can kill them. So, eh, let's just go do it and it'll be fine. We have a nurse that can regrow bones with a potion that she has on hand. What should we be worried about? Uh, Hermione's stance on rule-breaking was fun, just because it really kind of puts the perspective on her being an utter rules lawyer, is that... She is offended that we're breaking the rules, but she does have enough perspective, seemingly more than her classmates do, that there are more important rules here beyond the ones that are literal. Some things are more important than the fact that we're breaking rules. I'm still going to complain. I'm still going to write this down that we're doing it. But I'm in, and you need to understand why I'm in. So I did appreciate that kind of perspective in Hermione's character.
1: I would like to also point out that Hermione is very clearly excited to be able to prove that she can do this potion
0: oh yeah she's really excited about this potential and i like with respect to the potion that we kind of finally see the investment that's required for high powerful magic is that previously it's just kind of appeared whether you can pronounce the word right and do the appropriate flick of your wrist with this one even having all of the ingredients clearly written down and a step-by-step process for making it it's going to take a month at best, with even Hermione making it. It's nice to see that there is a level of investment that goes into these things to make the actual powerful spells happen. Mm-hmm. I don't think we've really had that in, other than for like the once in a generation magical artifacts that we saw back in book one.
2: And well, but you say that, but that's also just like if you collect ingredients because you're going to be making high powerful spells, like you could just have this on hand. So yeah, but it's... I, I'm.
0: I'm betting she can't just leave it in a crock pot and come back to it in a month. I'm thinking that there's a degree of of constant monitoring that has to go go into it. It's more of a sous vide. (laughs) Okay, fine. Appreciate all your cooking knowledge. (laughs) Uh, For the rogue bludger, uh, at one point do they stop a Quidditch match when the equipment has been obviously tampered with? It seemed like everyone on the pitch knew within about five minutes that, oh, well, that's not normal. They don't. They normally go after anybody that they can. They don't hone in on a single student. I bl- I'm blanking on the name of the of the woman that oversees Quidditch. But does she ever stop a match for anything that obviously is a result of you know rule breaking, or is it just kind of free reign until the match is done? like
2: snogging ha- Hagrid under the bleachers or something. Like everybody else. Like there's clearly. A lot we're fitting, of, we're not going to pay attention to the students when they're occupying themselves.
1: I So her name is Madam Hooch. <laughs> Hooch is oh, there's crazy. Reason for- <laughs> um, and I think that we get a lot of evidence that they don't stop the match for anything. Yeah, I mean, we already like saw in the very... first book that like Harry's broom was cursed. Wait, oh, yeah. wasn't
2: Snape overseeing that match? Yeah. Um, no, no, no. He wasn't. He was in the stance. Yeah,
1: me. because Hermione okay. thought that Snape was the one doing the cursing, right. when really okay. he was trying to do the counter curse.
0: Yeah, she set him on fire. I think that was. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a good point to bring up. Is that a student was obviously about to be killed, and all everybody just watches spellbound as it's going down. It seems like. Quidditch is enough of a spectator sport that they're all kind of they're all kind of watching it like NASCARs, that they're there for the wrecks. Yes. <laughs> they're not there for to watch people score 70 times. They want some blood, carnage, and bones removed. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's good to see also Fred and George save the day, because they really do save the day for a large portion of this, of where Harry damn near died for like 40 times before he ever got in a position to have his arm shattered and then win the match. And pretty much the only ones saving his bacon during that period were Fred and George. So, now we've seen why they're regarded as some of the best bludgers that have ever been on the team because (laughs) they're really good at their jobs. Uh, Are they called bludgers, too? No, they're called beaters. Beaters. Beaters hit the bludgers. Gotcha. Eventually gonna write all this down. (laughs) Uh, we also, uh, Harry also, I know we've seen him as a determinator before in terms of his just willingness to do what needs to be done to accomplish something, but he straight up has his arm shattered here. This thing goes in and just breaks his arm in multiple places. And he not only maintains consciousness, he maintains his broom and wins the match before then fading. Mm-hmm. That's a level of control I don't think I'd be capable of when an object hits me going like 50 miles an hour and starts breaking me apart.
1: This is. But
0: Harry apparently this is. This
1: is the Gryffindor in him. There's a lot of determination there.
0: Yeah, kudos to him. At a certain point, you just kind of want him to sit down and stop because you're only making things worse, but yes. Harry can't do that. Brave, but not, does, bright. Yeah, not bright. The house model Indeed. <laughs> Brave, but not bright, yes. Uh, the scene with Harry, Lockhart, and Harry's arm is a wonderful depiction of comedy a la Mel Brooks, of where um, tragedy is I cut my finger, comedy is you fall into an open sewer and die. Um, watching this happen to <laughs> Harry is... Hilarious, in the sense that, you know, him waking up to just the beaming smile of Lockhart just piercing through the com- complete pain coma that he's in. Uh, the depi- the various descriptions of his just utterly flabby, noodly wool I uh, removed bones. Colin constantly hovering, taking pictures. Harry literally just telling everybody, nope, nope, I like it this way, keep that hand <laughs> away from me. Rather <laughs> than let Lockhart treat him. Hilarious. If I was in the same position, my arm is shattered. And this guy's about to hurt me, and everyone's just kind of laughing about that. And then he does, and everyone just kind of plays it off and takes me to the nurse, as all bones from my arm have been removed magically. I can't even imagine the degree of hemorrhaging I'm probably suffering right now. But it's just like, okay, well, that's done. Take him to the nurse. We'll grow him some new ones.
2: So I have a question here, Sarah, um, that that follows up on this newbie's note.
1: Uh-huh.
2: So the human hand has 27 bones in it, mm-hmm. yet he needed 33 bones replaced. So what other six bones is he having problems with?
1: Well,
0: he had everything everything from up to the shoulder removed, didn't he?
1: Yeah. So well, that's
2: just another three bones. That would be 30.
1: Are the, So are the bones in your hands and in your wrist different? No. Well, I don't know then.
2: I don't know. Maybe. They're just three magical other bones, and maybe maybe they're wizarding bones. I don't know. They're they're additions for accurate wand holding. Uh, maybe okay.
0: Maybe it's she's factoring in the break. Is that now that several of the bones <laughs> are not in the various parts? <laughs> These are technically it, different. We're going back, broken,
2: <laughs> and then we'll knit it.
0: I'm here to replace bones. That's all I was asked to do. I'm not here to actually do anything more than that. That's talk to my union boss.
1: <laughs> yeah. I am not not sure, BJ. I mean, maybe,
0: maybe we're going up to the shoulder. Maybe part of the actual collarbone was removed. I mean, we can make this more horrifying as we go.
1: We don't know how far
0: he
2: took out. That's true. And so, the next question is, where did the bones go?
1: Um, they went into the magical ether bank of energy that is used to <laughs> fuel other magic, BJ. <laughs> <laughs> so when you run. So-
2: <laughs> 1.2 gigawatts to the flux capacitor, you see.
1: I don't know. They're just gone now. I
2: it's just magic. I just really
1: wizard want Wizard
0: literally did it. Well,
1: but, but, but you, you just, just want the have personally... appeared somewhere else.
2: I want Gilderoy to just have like a drawer full of like things that like he's mistakenly removed or something like that or just like a storage container of just like random things that he's kind of messed up and he's like hidden away that like somebody happens upon and just like why is there an arm a broken arm no less
1: (laughs) but just your storage (laughs) container
2: along with like well, it looks like a stuffed werewolf.
1: Like, where did you get these things? Maybe His
0: various trophies.
1: Maybe the arm bones have gone to make his teeth whiter.
0: Ah. We also have another story which would suggest that any cast-off bones eventually get tossed into a pot of stew and fed to poor people. So maybe that's where they go, too.
1: I think you're mixing the worlds here, Spence.
0: I, it's all fantasy to me. Uh Another point from Newbie's Notes. Uh, goddamn Dobby. Damn him hard. <laughs> this is just a situation of where you just want to kind of pick him up and shake him and say stop helping me, but apparently he associates pain with day-to-day life, so I don't think that'd be effective. Uh, his cure is worse than any poison that could be inflicted on Harry. At this point, I don't assume that anything that could come out of the Chamber of Secrets could be a greater threat than Dobby trying to help him. Well, it's just a riddle that you'll have to wait and solve. You keep taunting me with whatever this riddle is going to be. I know I will not be able to do it. I don't factor into the trio of success in this story. Um, But it it is kind of funny to watch Dobby maintain a very machine mindset to keeping Harry alive, of where his definition of success here is getting more and more marginal over time. (laughs) We've now basically defaulted to, if he's still breathing, it's a win. Don't care if he's in traction, I've got him out of here. Uh, How self power continues to be off the charts of where they're seemingly able to accomplish things that other wizards just can't. It's almost like a lucky thing that these guys have some degree of binding to them because Dobby seemingly can do whatever he wants without really the same way of the rest of us doing magic. You would be a proponent of enslaving Jen, clearly. They already are enslaved. There's nothing more I can add to that equation. <laughs>
1: Okay, apologies. You You're a bureaucrat through and through, Spencer. <laughs> you just know this. <laughs> uh, this seems fine.
0: It's also, it's also interesting to see that when um, the various professors bring in Colin, we see very clearly the regular patterns of both Minerva and Dumbledore at play. Of where Minerva's the one who finds him because she's totally walking the halls at night looking to catch students that are breaking curfew. We've already seen that's the case. <laughs> And Dumbledore apparently also just intervenes in some way to save the situation. We don't really know how, because he says he's going out for cocoa. Now, the fact he's found on the same staircase as Colin, who was trying to bring grapes to Harry, suggests more that he was trying to sneak to Harry and just lied about it. But who knows? Maybe he just likes Midnight cocoa. It is Dumbledore.
1: I also like that um, you are the only person in this entire universe who calls Professor McGonagall Minerva, except for Professor Dumbledore. <laughs>
0: Uh, it's entirely because I wrote it in my, nurse, my notes as Minerva when it happened and that's just the reason it went out
2: <laughs> the crazy cat lady she has a Indeed. special place in his heart
0: uh, last comment for me before we move on, to, uh, move on to house points we see again that everyone in this universe just adores keeping secrets when they probably shouldn't we find out here that Dumbledore apparently is keeping secrets from fellow professors as to the chamber of secrets because Harry looks at McGonagall see I'm using her name her everybody <laughs> else uses and she is as baffled as he is as to what the hell Dumbledore is talking about this should not be so many of the problems of these characters would be solved if they would just talk with each other but then again I just basically described the main major plot point of basically all forms of media ever forever <laughs> so I guess I can't criticize it too much So, that is it for Newbie's Notes. Got a few questions for you for later, but I believe you
1: need to assign house points before we get there. I do need to assign house points, and this is actually a fairly easy chapter for house points. Um, The clear loser, unless we are going to count Colin, um, and, you know, Colin is not, as far as we know, aware of anything, so he's doing okay.
0: Um. <laughs> and Colin apparently get, apparently, Colin apparently got a picture of the beast. Yeah. Didn't work, but that's still, that's credit to him. him. He was able to actually yeah. get, get the picture in.
1: A clear loser of this chapter, uh, Harry. <laughs> a bad that's run of it. It's
0: He did win the match that nobody thought he could well, win with a move that was more impressive than it. So
1: here's the thing. Harry is the loser because he broke his arm, lost all of the bones in his arm, is regrowing the bones in his arm, had to deal with Lockhart and then Dobby was there. But to your point, Spencer, I am going to award house points based on exactly what you just brought up. Oliver Wood had a great day.
0: Very good call. Hadn't thought about that. He had, none, he had all the upsides and none of the deficits
1: that Harry mm-hmm. did. All he wanted was to win this match. Literally the only thing he was aiming for.
0: And how far down in points was Gryffindor at the time that Harry
2: actually grabbed the Snitch? It
1: was. It was it like was sixty far. or something, yeah. yeah. But only sixty.
0: <laughs> That's a lot of I scoring. Mean, but it, like it
2: doesn't matter because the Snitch is what one fifty.
0: Yes. I mean, we have heard that games can go on for days, and if they can score that fast, I can see how the Snitch might not necessarily be the you know thing that wins it all, regardless of what happens. But yeah, it's definitely a big factor. Yep.
1: But I do, I do think that Oliver Wood was the only person in this chapter who got everything that they were looking for.
2: Yeah, Hermione did I mean, lose that that signed note. Did she?
1: She also didn't she get to, to keep the quill.
2: Oh, this is true too. She also, got her compliment though. Yes.
0: Mm-hmm. Uh, I offered an alternative. Also, I agree with Harry losing just because we all got to see it through his mm-hmm. eyes. But at least off-screen, Malfoy had a real bad day.
1: Yeah, it was not not great.
0: This is his first foray into, you know, directly challenging Harry at something Harry's good at mm-hmm. after he previously bought brooms for his whole team, and he pretty much publicly humiliates himself.
1: I mean, the snitch hovering by your ear and not noticing it is not a great look from the sort of athletic prowess point of view. We yep.
0: know when, your alt- when your alternatives are winning or insulting Harry, we know where Malfoy's always going to end up. Oh, now.
1: there are priorities. <laughs> Very but, clearly.
0: Are we ready for questions then?
1: I, sure.
0: It's <laughs> ready as you're gonna be. BJ, you got one to start us off?
2: Uh, yeah. So, so along with the, since we were just talking with about the snitch, um, how sentient is the snitch?
1: Hmm. That's a, it is exactly as sentient as the bludgers are.
0: <laughs> Thank you for that absolute non-answer. Please continue. <laughs> Um. (laughs) (laughs) are they sentient in the same way as like animated animated brooms in the background are in the weasley household
1: yeah yeah i mean i i would say that they like it seems that these objects have some sort of sense of what is going on around them in the immediate vicinity of the magic that they are meant for right which is within the confines of of the quidditch yes (laughs) yes oh yes i think that the snitch and the bludgers are programmed (laughs) enchanted to provide some entertainment probably had a hand in it value yeah it is it is unclear if if um snitches and bludgers outside of the confines of hogwarts under um the administration of one albus dumbledore are quite so (sighs) precocious
0: spencer uh clothes and and house elves yeah this is an interesting thing, of where, according to Dobby, apparently, the act of providing him clothes is enough to free him from slavery? Do I have this correct?
1: From the family to which he is in servitude, yes.
0: So this, this, this is my, my first step of that question. How selves seemingly exist to be bound in some shape or form. Mm-hmm. <laughs> this is their lot in life that is described to mm-hmm. us. Is this merely getting him sent to kind of like... Back to headquarters to get assigned to a different house? Or is he actually out of the game?
1: No, if you are freed, you are freed. Okay.
0: So he is no longer... Well, again, we're raising the question about whether House Elf is actually a species or there's just a title. Um, but he's at least no longer in the usual lot of a House Elf.
2: Well... So would you say House
1: Cat If If he is dead. freed, yes.
2: Okay. Uh...
0: How much intent needs to go into this? Because if I just hand him my laundry, did I just free my house elf?
1: You have to be very careful around house elves.
0: (laughs) You cannot ask them to put things in the washing machine. Just don't do it. You're going to cost the family money. (laughs) There
1: is one household chore that they are not in charge of.
0: (laughs) Keep them away from the hamper. Okay, that answers that question. It's weird, as all crap, that clothes (laughs) are apparently the thing that
2: does this. But okay, it has rules. I think that's specific to Dobby, though. Is it specific to Dobby? No, it's not. No? Okay. Mm-hmm.
1: The, no, all house elves, okay. if they are given clothes, they are they are freed.
2: So there are a lot of naked house elves. Gotcha.
1: Well, this is why they wear pillowcases. Oh, okay. Because they're so not it's, actually it's pieces of clothing. Mm-hmm.
0: Okay. So you, you can get into a bit of a court battle on the subject of, it wasn't a piece
2: of clothing that I handed him, it was a handkerchief. Yes. <laughs> clothing isn't cloth that's... <laughs> It needs to have a predestined purpose to... to... Right. It's not my fault he wore it as a Serape. It was a blanket.
1: (laughs) Are there neckbands involved?
2: (laughs) (laughs) So I have a more complicated question for you, Sarah. Great. Um, Did J.K. Rowling forget about Neville Lunkbottom?
1: In what way?
2: Well, he kind of hasn't shown up because he was fairly present and he was mm-hmm. the Colin Creevy essentially, of the last book and sort of the every child perspective and things like that and was sort of in on all of the things. And now Colin Creevy has sort of taken his
1: spot. Yeah, Neville comes in and out. Um, in terms of his importance, I would say that we are like within the series as a whole, we are just at a nadir of neville Longbottom-ness. we 're at the bottom of his of his yes
2: um, yeah i he i assume he he comes battle. back at some point in some useful manner
1: yeah um i would I would suggest that like for various narrative reasons in this book um J.K. Rowling needed Colin Creevy and not Longbottom, but you can't have too many of those characters, those types of characters, um, yeah. playing too big a role or making too much of an appearance in this type of book. So she ha- necessarily had to drop Spot Neville for a little while.
0: That, that's an interesting point as well, because um, I think the only time we've had Neville referenced is the fact that he is a true blood wizard too, right?
1: Yes. And it, because they were concerned seems, that he was gonna be a squid for a while.
0: It, it 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 seems like uh, this is a different point that I think you were making, but it seems also like that there's been increased emphasis in this book on Muggle wizards that are among them yes. as compared to True Bloods mm-hmm. because they're factoring in apparently the whole Chamber of Secrets thing. Mm-hmm. So, I, I guess there is a page time priority that needs to go into it. Yep,
1: <laughs> but Neville comes back. I don't know if he comes back much in this book necessarily.
0: Again, still, I still think he had the most impressive character arc of the first book, so I'm hoping for it to continue to go on, because if it goes at the same rate, the man's going to be rivaled to Dumbledore. <laughs> I am sense. so curious to see what your opinions are ben,
2: at <laughs> the end of this. Do you know where it ends? I thought you stopped after, like, book this book. I am part and parcel to things on the internet, Spencer. I, there, there are yeah. some things that have been spoiled for me. <laughs> okay. Well, this has given me
0: interesting thoughts to think about, but Okay.
2: Uh, you got any other questions, BJ? Because I got two more, I think. Um, go ahead. I think I'm, I'm sated for this. <laughs>
0: uh, this. This is just kind of an unpacking of what was just offered to us. Again, it's a Dobby question, but he suggests that Harry, in some way, the process of Voldemort being defeated associated with Harry, was just this massively important moment for what he refers to as the dregs of the magical world. Can you explain that a bit to me about what he means? Does he merely mean the defeat of Voldemort opened up something for all of them? But it's not really well explained why Harry is so important to people in his position, why he means so much to them, other than Voldemort was a key part of their
2: oppression. You mean that autocrats don't treat the the lowly beings under them well? Interesting. But
0: Voldemort was never... (laughs) It's not necessarily just that Voldemort was in an official position of power. It's more that he was very powerful and was scaring everybody. It's not like he was running the ministry or something, was he?
1: I will tell you, Spencer, that I, I said earlier <clears throat> in this, this very same podcast that this is not a political podcast. But I think that we can think of Voldemort as a figure who, during his heyday, made it acceptable to espouse Certain viewpoints around um, pure blood status and wizard kind status in public that, after his demise, are no longer acceptable. Now that happens, we see that most um, most frequently in these books in terms of the kind of pure blood wizard versus muggle born. Versus half and half, whatever, whatever. But what we get, I think, through Dobby, that we don't really necessarily get through a lot of other characters, is what that means for magical creatures that are not human.
0: Mm -hmm. Which. Are almost off the chart when you come to the caste system from the perspective of true blood wizards. That figure, exactly that they don't even merit consideration other than what they offer. Yes,
1: um, and that there is a there is a pervasive. We we learn later that there is a pervasive view among some segments of the wizarding community um, that magical creatures that are sent that are that have consciousness, like house elves, for example. Um, there is a certain segment of wizard kind who does not believe that they are entitled to the magic that they have.
2: So they would fit in fairly well as wizards and other organizations.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: <laughs> well if you don't mind I'm gonna unpack and theorize this on something you just said Please. but
0: you just you just suggested that um, Voldemort's position in, in a state of power, at least fear, over the wizarding community allowed certain elements of particularly true blood magic community to Emphasize the negative aspects of their traits in terms of treating those around them, including house mm-hmm. elves. And that... Uh, if that wizards Dobby, had
2: a quarter muggle blood in them, <laughs> they...
0: Yes, we'll avoid the constitutional issues. Um, <laughs> in terms of... <laughs> uh, for, for Dobby, though, he says that, you know, this that Voldemort being defeated to open up a lot of avenues for people to be greater protected. But he specifically says it did not affect him. Yeah. That his family has not changed, which suggests that his family is... True Blood mm-hmm. says that his family was in some way down with the whole Voldemort thing, or at least adhering to certain aspects of their kind of moral center or, or political beliefs. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, we—I only know one family that is still kind of publicly talked about for
2: this. And there's something and they, bad about their name.
0: Okay, well, yeah, thank you, PJ, for just confirming what I was about to say. Uh, Malfoy, he works for the Malfoy household. He's Lucius Malfoy. That's the name of the dad, right? Lucius?
1: That is That is the name of Mr. Malfoy, yes.
0: Okay. This is the only option I've been provided so far. Based on the information you just provided, that seems like it would fit, and it would be damn hilarious if he's the one that's doing this. It's actually Without Dumbledore. Lucius Malfoy knowing? <laughs> what? <laughs> Nothing's better. No, I literally didn't hear you. What did you say? <laughs> I said it's actually Dumbledore. <laughs> Well, that would just be awesome, too. <laughs> That'd be funny in a different way. But, yeah, it, it, it... I mean, can you tell me, is it the Malfoys, or is it going to be a surprise for later? <laughs> I, I, I withdraw the question. I'll find out. This is my theory, based on what you've just said and what we've already known. It seems like it fits, and it would be funny.
1: It is... Uh, you You have you have offered up a sound theory, Spencer.
0: We'll see where it goes. If it is Dumbledore, BJ, I'm going to start laughing so <laughs> That and we, we do
1: know of another
2: significant pure blood uh, family. Uh, the Weasleys.
0: Yeah, indeed. Nah, they, we specifically, they specifically said they could not afford one. They totally would if they could, but they can't. <laughs> they have to make do with lesser magical creatures. They kind of spin and toss them <laughs> their in their living field. Yeah,
1: <laughs> <laughs> Molly oh. Molly <laughs> seems like she could use a good house elf. Quite honestly. <laughs>
0: All right, last one. This is just kind of point of the debate. I think we've already raised it to a certain degree, but Lockhart is damn fixated on Harry, um, and I think there are a lot of ways to possibly unpack that about why it is. I'm just kind of curious to what your thoughts are, Sarah, because he makes a point of being with Harry or involving Harry
2: in almost anything he does. He likes the feel of the the death spell that that almost killed Harry. <laughs> it radiates off him still. The aura. Yep.
1: Um yeah, I uh, mm, I you know, I think that there are a lot of different explanations that g- that could feed into this. I think that probably the main one, I mean the main character trait that we see of Lockhart is that he just is loves Is they both
2: not too bright?
1: <laughs> that's and presumably sort of brave. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Um but Lockhart loves loves fame. Mm. And he has built kind of. a brand around fame. And one thing that Harry has is not brights. <laughs> <laughs> Clearly. <away. laughs> but people do recognize him wherever he goes. I mean, we saw this in the, in the sort of Flourish and Blot scene, right? Um, mm-hmm. Now, Lockhart is not a person who could ever admit to himself that this is the reason that he is doing said thing. But he does he does seem to see carry out and seems to see carry out particularly in these situations Mm -hmm. Um, go ahead
0: yeah i I really like that theory and explanation for it because it factors into a lot of a lot of other things we see lockhart doing is that if he has any i don't want to call it necessarily a positive trait but you know just something he's actually good at it's actively knowing where the spotlight is at any given moment Mm -hmm. and being able to insert himself into it Mm -hmm. because Whenever anything of note happens in this story, he is right there to provide assistance. Doesn't matter what it is, he is available and wants to be there to be part of it. And Harry just happens to be involved in quite a few of those.
1: Yeah, I would, I would say so. Was
2: General Hospital? I think that's the one. the the right one. A thing when when Rowling was doing this, McSteamy and McDreamy, whatever.
1: In Grey's Anatomy.
2: Oh, thank you. <laughs> I,
1: Um, I think Grey's Anatomy was after at least these first couple of books were written.
2: Oh, okay. I I think. Because this kind of like...
0: In in answer to your question, uh, General Hospital has now run for 57
2: seasons. So yeah, it's
0: been a thing (laughs) since 63. Jesus. Oh, God. (laughs)
2: Power of soap operas. Wow. But yeah, I just sort of imagine Lockhart as the, like, semi-incompetent doctor but is always, like, flirting with the nurses and patients and whatever and showing up well-dressed And and scrubs that clearly aren't provided by the hospital.
1: They're they're teal green um, and peacock feathered. But you know what's interesting, though, kind of to that point, BJ, is that like there are there are a lot of witches that we see, including Hermione and Molly Weasley and a whole bunch of other kind of middle aged witches that swoon over Lockhart. But he, we never see him actually flirt with anyone. Hmm. Well, it's he, true. he's more interested in, in, in mentoring the youth. <laughs> I think he's interested in mentoring the youth. I think he is ultimately more interested in himself.
0: Yes. It, it, it may also factor into brand preservation, too, is that appearing unavailable or appearing constantly available could help lead to the appeal. If he'd ever actually, you know. Oh, yeah. He, he would or? not
2: sell any books as soon as any whiff of any relationship entered into a sentence with his
1: name in it. That's certainly true. Yeah. Yeah.
0: It's like all all those various people that went up to the uh, Disney salt mines in terms of uh, music stars is they were pretty much constantly advised that if they ever had a relationship, they had to keep it private Mm -hmm. because it would hurt their brand. They needed to be constantly available to the fans. Yes. And
2: we see how well that turned out.
0: (laughs) Indeed, that's all the questions I got.
1: All right, Um, so I will point out that with the end of this chapter, we are officially over halfway through book two.
2: Fifty-one (laughs) percent, and that's uh, that's probably also including the uh, you know preview chapter for the next book.
1: So you know we could be at fifty-three (laughs) percent. Um. Um, so next time around we have chapter 11 called the dueling club
2: yes and we so, have a very interesting <laughs> yeah what the hell was
0: that picture
1: I, it seems like a picture that would have been more appropriate uh for the uh the death day party chapter
2: yes <laughs> it, it's sort it, of uh, a
1: floating smoking
2: s- nearly headless sword isn't it? Yes. Man with a
1: sword. Yes.
2: Man with a sword that looks like his head is barely attached. Oh, this is Nick?
1: Huh. Huh.
2: I I guess that's my assumption. But maybe it's just a a very thin neck and it's some sort of weird collar. With some raggedy edges
1: around it. (laughs) Yeah.
0: That that is a good point. I totally thought that was just a back. You just had a pop-up collar in the back. No, that's the broken remnants of his neck. Okay. Something bad
2: happens to Nick. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> well, he was hardly nearly headless, so...
1: Which was so much worse than being actually headless.
2: You can't play hockey that way. And there are
0: direct comparisons between this and the similar picture that they had of Mrs. Norris. Can ghosts get petrified?
1: To be continued. I <laughs> that. And that All right. <laughs> All right,
0: y'all. Looking forward to next week.